like to reach, if you'd like to reach forward and grab the Bible out from under the seat in front of you, we'll turn to page 1146. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to be reading from two parts, but we're starting at the start. So you can follow along and just excuse my slightly coldy voice this morning. Starting at chapter So chapter 7, verse 1. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to a prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right, now we're going to jump over to verse 25, which is just on the next page. Now, about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to, do, is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, And who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, 
but he who does not marry her does better. Thank you, Ella. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, please would you give us eyes to see and hearts to understand how you want us to think and feel about singleness, for we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, if you're new to church, uh, we're at the end uh, of a series called Truly Human, and uh, last week we looked at gender, um, sorry, the week before we looked at gender, last week we looked at marriage, uh, and today we are looking at singleness. Uh, so this is a very um, hot topic, um, it's a very personal topic for me, uh, if, if you don't know me, um, I'm 38 and single, and uh, when, I, when people find that out, a lot of people are surprised, they say, Ben, you don't look a day older than 37. I say, thank you very much. Um, and they're also surprised that I'm 38 and still single. Uh, and uh, as it turns out, um, there, are, there are lots of people came up to me this morning at 8 o'clock who I didn't realize were single as well, and they've been single for longer than I have. Uh, but nonetheless, um, 38 years is a long time to be single for many people. And uh, of course, over the, that time, I've had lots of, um, shall we say, free advice uh, from married people um, that married people love to give. Um, things like this. Good things come to those who wait. Have you tried meeting someone online? Maybe you're just too fussy. Oh, you must be so lonely. Uh, one guy said to me, no, nope, you're a lost cause. And then another person said to me, well, obviously, you either haven't met the right person or you're gay, or you're asexual, which one is it? I thought, okay. Um, now, there's lots more we could talk about, but these are all things people have actually said to me. Um, another one was said about me. What's wrong with him? Um, and, uh, and most of these people were Christians, uh, are Christians who said this. So, uh, I've got to say, honestly, I'm not offended. Um, actually, I think a lot of them are funny uh, when they're said to me. Um, but not everyone thinks that way. And I've got to tell you that when I hear these things, it really reveals to me that I really don't think we understand singleness. Um, I think at the very least, uh, there's an assumption out there that if you're um, single and past, say, your mid-20s, uh, there's something wrong. You know, it's like you're in the transit lounge uh, and you've missed the flight, right? There's, there's a problem uh, with you at this point. So uh, my question is, is this the right way to think about singleness? And uh, this morning, as we talk about singleness, I especially want to answer the question, can you be single and truly human? All right, so that's the question. We're going to talk about singleness under three headings. Uh, sorry, four, actually. There we go. How very un-Anglican of me. Uh, we're going to be talking about who are we talking about. Um, we're going to talk about why we think it's a problem. We're going to talk about how it fits into God's plan. And then, fourthly, how are singles um, satisfied in Christ. All right, so first, who are we talking about? It's not just um, young people um, who are single, of course. Um, singleness means, um, you know, this sounds obvious, but singleness just means you're unmarried. Uh, in the Bible, um, there's really two types of marital status. Uh, either you're married or you're not, right? And that's it. Um, so as I'm using the term, singleness doesn't just refer to people who are never married. Uh, it refers to people who are divorced, people who are widowed, people who are dating, and that includes de facto couples as well. So 
Um, all of us have been single, and all of us, uh, or at least uh, if you're married, um, uh, you know, unless um, you die before your partner, you two will be single, all right? So we're talking really, um, in a sense, this, this issue touches on everyone in, in so many different ways. So the question is, um, how many people are single in manly? Uh, so people over the age, uh, sorry, 15 years or older, uh, according to the 2016 census data, um, 38.5% are married in our community, uh, 46 have never married, 46% that is, 9.3% uh, are divorced, 3.9% are widowed, and 2.3% are separated but not divorced. Okay, so um, of those 15 years or older in Manly, 61.5% are single or separated. Alright, so if you are single or separated, you're actually in the majority uh, here in our community. So why does it then feel like for many of our singles, uh, we're, we're in the minority? Well, uh, in part it's because what, these, what this data doesn't show is that 19.3% of people in Manly uh, living together uh, in a de facto marriage, all right? So that doesn't reflect that. Uh, but also it feels like single people are in the minority because here at St. Matt's, we actually are in the minority. Um, so again, this is the, uh, of those who are 15 years or older, the, this is now the 2016 NCLS, National Church Life Survey data. 70% um, are married uh, here at St. Matt's, all right? A lot, of, a, lot of the a lot of those married people are here in this service. And uh, only 30% are single or separated, and that's broken up into 15% never married, 8% divorced or separated, and 7% widowed. Okay, so that's who we're talking about. Um, if you are single, you're in the majority here in Manly in the wider community, but in the minority here at St. Matt's. Secondly, why do we think, or why do many people think that singleness is a problem? My goodness, where do we start? All right, there are so many things we could talk about here. I'm going to try to stick to three. Uh, first of all, singleness seems to be a problem because it often feels lonely. Again, the 2016 census tells us uh, that almost one-third of all households in Manly, so 30.1%, are single-person households. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I live by myself in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, but the problem is that um, if you just go to work and then come home alone uh, and have very little social interaction, it turns out it's very bad for your health, right? Um, recent re research has shown that social isolation and loneliness can be as bad for your health as smoking 15 pa uh, cigarettes a day, all right? Not quite a pack, but 15 cigarettes a day. God made us for relationships, so that's why it feels so painful, um, especially for single people who feel lonely. Uh, the second problem that we perceive with singleness is that it often feels like we're missing out. Uh, in the 40s and 50s in America, there was a psychologist called Abraham Maslow, uh, and he came up with this. You probably have seen it. It's his famous hierarchy of needs. And if you can see there at the bottom level, the physiological, they're the most basic needs. And if you can, if you can look very carefully, one of them he includes there is sex. And most of our culture agrees. Most of us think that sex is a basic need, and so sex is basically everywhere, right? Just consider what people watch on Netflix, uh, consider uh, what websites people visit, have a look at what magazines people read, look at the advertisements on buses and billboards and in storefront windows right here on the Corso. They're all dripping with sex, 
as it were. So single people um, can often feel like we're being denied, you know, something important, something we need, right, to be truly human. Uh, there's, a, there's a song, uh, I don't know if you have heard of it, by Bruno Mars, and it goes like this, because your sex takes me to paradise. Yeah, your sex takes me to paradise. You make me feel like I've been locked out of heaven for too long, right? And it's often um, the case that single people feel like this. You know, um, we feel like it's sex we're missing out on, but it's not just that. It's companionship, it's intimacy, it's the joy of having children, uh, it's the stability of having a family who's there for us, who's on our side, right? Who we can go home to, all of which um, many people um, who are single feel they've been denied. A third problem we perceive with singleness is that uh, we often feel we're incomplete, or at least we're made to feel like we're incomplete. Um, you know that famous movie, Jerry Maguire, the scene where, um, you know, Jerry Maguire comes in to the woman he loves and he tells her, I love you. He says, you complete me. And she says, shut up, you know, you had me at hello. All right, and everyone's like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful. And, um, you know, and we all resonate with that, don't we? We all kind of resonate uh, when, a, when a husband says, you know, this is my, talking about his wife, this is my better half. We don't need someone to explain that to us. Um, and I think, therefore, many single people feel like we're, unfinished you know we're half a person until we're married and it's not just you know um we don't we don't just get this from sort of um our nosy auntie or uncle who's constantly asking how's your love life you know um we actually we're, we're this is thrust on us I, I dare say from a very early age um just consider some of the most cherished fairy tales um that we're told as kids who alone can waken sleeping beauty from her slumber who alone can free Cinderella from her oppressive stepmom? Who alone can rescue Rapunzel from her prison-like tower, right? All of these women are only rescued and redeemed by the romantic love of a man who they all end up marrying in the story. And it's not just women who need to be saved from singleness. Have you thought about the movie Beauty and the Beast? What's it about? It's about a single guy. And so, of course, he's an animal, right? You know, that's, that's how we might perceive it. Um, who alone can release him from singleness so he can grow up and become a real man, right? It's the romantic love of a woman who saves him. And there are lots of stories like that. From an early age, I think, we're taught as single people that we need to be saved, right? And marriage alone is the solution. So those are three big problems we perceive with singleness. It often feels lonely, it often feels like we're missing out, and it often feels like we're incomplete. That's how it feels. But the question is, is that how we should feel, all right? Is that how we should think about singleness? Well, I'm going to propose that to actually really understand uh, how we should think about singleness, we actually need to take the big picture, what God's big plan is for marriage and single. Uh, and that's how we're, what we're going to do in our next point, how singleness fits into God's plan. So here's where I want to draw us to our passage uh, that was read just before by Ella. Um, I'm not going to um, go into great detail, so if you do have questions about the passage, I would love to talk to you later. Uh, we're on page 1146. Have a look with me at what Paul says in verse 8. He says, Now to the unmarried and to the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Now wait. Why on earth would Paul say it is good to stay single if you need to be married 
to be fully human. Did Paul just misspeak at this point? Well, no. Look, he's absolutely relentless in this passage. He says, um, verse 26, I think it is good for a man to remain as he is. At the end of verse 27, he says to the unmarried men, do not look for a wife. Uh, In verse 28, he says, yeah, it's okay to get married. If you do, you haven't sinned. So Paul does uphold marriage. Um, And again, in verse 38, he says, if you're engaged and you marry a fiancé, you do right. right. So that's good. But at the end of verse uh, 38, he says, but the man who does not marry his fiancée does better. How on earth could this be? Paul, you are seriously out of step with the vast majority of evangelical pastors who tell young people, just grow up and get married. Right? Paul, don't you listen to their podcasts? Obviously not. And it's not just pastors in America. Um, When I finished theological training, um, I went for a job as an assistant minister, and at least one senior minister told me to my face, sorry, uh, we're not actually after a a single person, we're after a married person. And I didn't say anything. Um, Well, I actually had a friend who uh, was a lot more brazen than me. He was told basically the same thing. And um, we're not going to employ you. um, We want a married assistant minister. And this guy said to the senior minister, are you telling me that under no circumstances you would never employ John Stott, John Chapman, the Apostle Paul, or the Lord Jesus himself to be your assistant minister? And um, all these senior ministers said was, sorry, (laughs) right? I honestly think that most Christians ignore or don't believe what Paul says here about singleness. And some pastors uh, do it cleverly. Look at, uh, they look at verse 26 and they say, you see, the, the only reason that Paul recommends singleness here is because of the present crisis. Right? Now, no one actually knows what that present crisis was. It could have been a, a grain shortage in Corinth. It could have been a plague. Uh, but actually, uh, it could mean just the trials and tribulations um, that were about to come that all Christians would face. That's possible to interpret it that way. In any case, um, some pastors say that because the crisis doesn't apply to us today, therefore Paul's teaching on singleness doesn't apply to us today. But I want to say to that, not so fast, because in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul gives a whole bunch of reasons why it's good to stay single. Verse 28, he says, because I want to spare you many troubles in marriage, he says. That has nothing to do with the present crisis. Verse 29, he says, because the time is short. Verse 31, he says, because the world in its present form is passing away. Verses 32 to 35, he says, because unmarried people are freed up for undivided devotion to the Lord. So those are all reasons beyond the present crisis that Paul says that staying single is good. Now, as I said, we're not going to look at each of those in detail, but I actually want to take a step back um, and consider the big picture of where Paul is coming from. Why would he say these things? All right, um, take a step back. In fact, go all the way back uh, to the beginning. As we looked at last week, why is it? Um, in Genesis 2, 18, when God creates Adam, he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, what God doesn't mean there um, is that he felt sorry that Adam was so lonely, Right? Um, If you think about it, that's an insult to God, right? Adam had God with him in the garden, right? And God was the best company you could imagine. So Adam wasn't lonely. Um, He wasn't, you know, feeling lonely um, and worthy of feeling sorry for. Um, Rather, when God says it's not good, God there is talking about purpose, right? 
Um, He means that Adam by himself can't carry out God's plan for the world, for humanity. So what is Adam and Eve's and all of our, you know, humanity's purpose in the Old Covenant? In Genesis 1, God commands them, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have babies and raise them to know and love the Lord uh, and to work and cultivate the earth, right? That's called the cultural mandate. And that's why it wasn't good in the Old Covenant for the man to be alone or the woman to be alone. It was only through marriage that men and women could fulfill God's purpose for them. And so that's why we see uh, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That's why we read that our sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are reward from him. That's why Jewish rabbis are taught, and I think they still teach, that he who has no wife is no real man. Uh, and that's why, um, you know, we read, like Elizabeth, for example, that childless women felt shame and disgrace. In the Old Covenant, marriage and children were all at the center of God's plan to rule and bless the world. What about when we come to the New Covenant? What do we see? We see at the baptism of Jesus, right? There's a guy, and he's in his 30s, and he's single. And then there's a voice from heaven. And what do we hear? We hear, my son, why aren't you married yet? Wait a second, no, that's my dad. (laughs) Uh, Actually, sorry, I got confused. Um, No, no, the heavenly father of Jesus doesn't say that. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. You see, there's not even a hint that it's not good for this man to be alone. And that's because Jesus is fully satisfied in God, and that's because Jesus is fully able to fulfill God's purposes for his life as a single man. And you might think, well, that's just Jesus. You know, he's unique. Well, hold on a second, because at the end of Matthew's gospel, we see something remarkable. We see there that God, through Jesus, fine-tunes God's purpose for humanity. Um, Alongside the cultural mandate, Jesus gives us this the Great Commission, and it goes like this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, as we've done this morning, and teaching them to obey. Right? Do you see the parallel? God still wants us to be fruitful and multiply, but the command is no longer just have babies and raise them. The new command is baptize people and raise them as disciples of Jesus, teach them to obey everything he's commanded us. That's God's new purpose for humanity. And therefore, in the new covenant, you no longer need to be married with kids to fulfill God's purpose. You can be truly satisfied. You can be truly human as a single person in Jesus, okay? So friends, if you're not married, I want to encourage you, despite what Bruno Mars says, you haven't been locked out of heaven. In fact, in heaven, we'll all be single. That's what Jesus says. He says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So in heaven, we'll all be single, just like Jesus. Now, of course, it's not quite accurate to say um, that Jesus is single because in a spiritual sense, uh, he's married to us, the bride, his church, um, and we're married to him. But what Jesus means is that in heaven, there'll be no earthly Marriage, And so I dare say that our culture and a lot of us in church, we have it all backwards, right? 
Um, a lot of us assume that singleness is temporary while we all wait to be married. But actually, um, if you think about it, we're, if you're married, marriage is temporary while we all wait to be single like Jesus in heaven. So friends, while we wait for the resurrection, yes, it's good for some of us to get married because marriage uh, and people who are happily married act as a signpost to Christ's amazing love for his bride, the church. Uh, but at the same time, it's also, also good for some of us to stay single because the person who is happily single acts as a signpost for the sufficiency of Christ, both now and forevermore. So can a single uh, person be single and truly human? The answer is a resounding yes. Those of us who are single, we have a place, we belong in God's plan for the world. We have a purpose, and that's to make disciples delighting in the Lord. And for when we do that, we declare to the world that Christ is enough. He is all we need. And we declare to the world the future of the church is single. Singleness. All right, so that's point three. How singleness fits into God's plan. That brings us to point four. How singles can be satisfied in Christ. All right, I want to return now to the three problems we identified or perceived uh, with singleness, because I want to show you that all of these problems have a satisfying solution in Christ. So first of all, singles need never be lonely. God made us for relationships, so it is not good for the man or the woman to be alone. But you see, marriage is not the only solution in the new covenant. Uh, the ultimate solution, if you go all the way to heaven, is that is to being alone is Christ and his church, and that begins now. You see, God never leaves us alone. He gives us himself. I mean, Jesus says he is always with us, and he says he will never leave us nor forsake us. But, you know, for some of us, um, we need people around us. We need physical people around us. Uh, and, of course, God knows that, and so he blesses us. Um, in particular, Christ gives us his church, all right? Through the church, he gives us community. Through the church, he gives us a new family. Through the church, he gives us new friends. And so at the risk of stating obvious, I, I want to say you've got to invest in your family, in friendships here at St. Matt's. Uh, we all need to do that, uh, both singles and marrieds, but especially single people. Even Jesus invested in friends, right? Uh, he had Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Mary Magdalene, and he had the 12. And then even within the 12 disciples, he had his besties, right? He had Peter, James, and John, and John was the one he loved, especially, says John likes to talk that up, doesn't he? Um, and he, li he did life with them, didn't he? he? He traveled with them, he ate with them, he did ministry with them. So single people, get connected, invest in friends, with genuine friends. Uh, we could say more about that if you, if you like later. Now, and if you're feeling lonely, I'm sorry to hear that. But I want to put it out there. At least in part, it might be your fault, right? A lot of us are waiting around for someone to call. But if you consider, maybe you should pick up the phone or, and call or send them a text or whatever. Um, have you joined a small group here at St. Matt's if you're feeling lonely? Not just if you're feeling lonely, but have you joined a serving team, right? These are the best ways to get connected. Um, I'm constantly busy, and I'm never alone because I'm constantly doing stuff with my small groups and other friends here at St. Matt's and beyond. 
Um, and if you're married, let me urge you, don't, you know, put up your drawbridge, right? Invite singles into your family life. And don't do that out of pity, right? Singles hate it when you do that out of pity. Um, do it out of love. Do it out of a genuine desire for friendship. Create space in your life to include people in your family, just as God in Christ has included you in His. Second, singles in Christ don't miss out ultimately. If you're a fan of Abraham Maslow, maybe there are psychologists here who love him, I don't know. Uh, I've I got to say I'm sorry, but he's wrong. He's, at least he's wrong about this um, in the hierarchy of needs. Sex is not a basic need, right, to be truly human. Sex is for marriage, and with, with some qualification, it's a need in marriage, but it's a need only in marriage. So if you're single and you're struggling with sexual temptation or unfulfilled desire, let me urge you, wait patiently on the Lord. Right? Don't just wait for marriage. Wait patiently for the Lord. Um, don't look at porn. Don't sleep with someone who you're not married to. Um, don't be like Esau. This is how the Bible compares this. Don't be like Esau who sold his inheritance for a bowl of soup. Right? Keep pressing into Jesus, for God has said that he is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And friends, don't compare yourself with others. Right? As uh, Teddy Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. If you're not having sex or raising kids, God's not holding out on you. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And if you're a Christian, God views you as perfect. He views you as blameless in his son Jesus. And therefore the guarantee from God is that he is withholding from you no good thing if you are single. If you are single now, then that's because it, singleness is God's best for you now. And I wonder, do you trust him? about that you can trust him how do you know you can trust him how do you know he hasn't abandoned you how do you know he hasn't forsaken you on this issue well you see because God forsook God abandoned Jesus on the cross he was abandoned so that you never would have to be Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross to get you into heaven so why do you think he would now go stingy on you while you wait to get there. Friends, God always provides a way out for singles to resist sin and to be satisfied in Him. Yes, it might seem like we're missing out, but we're not missing out ultimately on any good thing. Maybe it seems like married people are, are up the front on the plane in business class. You know, we singles are in the back in economy. But don't stress. It's pretty good back here, actually. And a lot of married people, I imagine, will tell you, it ain't all that good up there either. In any case, it's just for a little while longer, and then we will all make it safely to our heavenly home. Finally, singles are fully complete. If you're a Christian, God looks at you in Christ and He loves you and He says you're perfect. 
And that means if you're a single in Christ, you're not half a person. You're a whole person. So here's my advice to single persons. Live a whole life now. Right? I dare say that there are a lot of single people who aren't living. They're just waiting. You know, they're waiting until they get married to start traveling. They're waiting until they're married to start serving. They're waiting until they're married to start making changes that they know they need to make in their life. Friends, stop waiting and start living. Start serving now. Start being sanctified now. Start being satisfied now in Jesus. Because if you're satisfied in Him, you'll flourish in your singleness. And if you do get married or remarried in God's way and in God's time, you'll make a wonderful spouse if you're satisfied in Jesus already. So, I've debated about how I want to conclude. Uh, There are lots of things I haven't touched on, but I'm going to say this. As I conclude, I want to speak to my dear friends who are married and who love to set single people up. Now, I was chatting with uh, a friend uh, this week, and, you know, I've got to say, some single people love it. He said, no, no, because setups are great. I met my wife through a setup, and that's awesome, right? So, some single people love it. Uh, but I actually want to, I just want to say this, don't assume that we all do, right? Um, not all of us are single and ready to mingle, you know? Uh, not all of us are desperate and dateless. And I appreciate you're trying to help. All right, I appreciate you mean well, this is a true story, when you say things like, oh, all single people in their late 30s have something wrong with them, but this one's different, I'm like, okay, right? You know, I appreciate you're just trying to save me from my singleness. But here's the thing. I already have a Savior, and I'm satisfied in Him. And a lot of married people need to hear that. I'm not saying I'll never get married, but right now I'm happily single. It just doesn't bother me, and I'm okay with the possibility that it'll stay that way forever. That's how good a saviour Jesus is. So friends, instead of plotting to pair me with a friend, please pray for me. Right? Pray for us singles, all of us. Pray that the ones who should get married do get married, but pray that the ones who should stay single stay single for the sake of the kingdom. Because singleness is good, and the world in its present form is passing away and the time is short and all of us have a job to do, both married people and single people. So let's get on with it. Let's make disciples and as best as we're able, let's do that with undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, please would you help us to trust that you are always good You're a good, good father. If we are married now, then that's for our good. And if we're single now, then that's for our good too. Help those who are married to keep loving each other and raising kids to know and love you so that through them, we may see just how much Christ loves the church. And help those of us who are single to resist temptation and to stay satisfied in you. Please give partners to those who want to be married and please strengthen those who want to stay single, either for a season or forever. 
And please help us all to make disciples and to do so delighting in you so that we can declare to the world that Christ is enough and singleness is our future. For we ask all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. During this next song, the collection plates will be passed around. That's a chance for people to put in their connect cards as well. For people that don't give electronically, it's their chance to contribute to the work of St. Matthews as we share the gospel here and throughout the world. Would you please stand as we sing? Jesus Christ is Lord. 